Ryan the Shootist here with a technical note. Today's news webcast was uh, interrupted with a couple technical difficulties, a.k.a. my iMac crashed twice, twice. But I edited that out. We're patched up. And uh, for the most part, this is a complete webcast. So hopefully you won't notice too much, except for the fact that I just told you it happened. And if you watched live, you kind of, you know. But here we go. Oh, man. You guys are a riot. This is the best news that anybody could possibly watch. Yeah. Okay, I am sad about the Impact thing, though, because I love that tool. Oh, yeah, me too. I use Impact a lot. Right? I I have some other stuff for it, too, but, like, I'm waiting until we're live. All right, we are streaming, and on my mark, you guys will be live. Are you ready? Probably. Maybe. No. Yeah, I, I, I'll do a welcome thing, all right? We gotta wait for the intro music. Oh, we've got intro music. Ah, oh, I forgot about that. Don't we have intro music? <laughs> do, we, do we have we're, intro We're professionals. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> professional. I, we just had we music play. We all practiced this for three hours yesterday, remember? We were all there. <laughs> we, we, we were? <laughs> <laughs> all right, it was just me in my mind. Hey, welcome everybody to... B-H-I-S hangs out together and talks about things. <laughs> and talks about stuff. <laughs> talks about stuff. So that's probably all you're going to hear from me today because everybody else is way more prepared than I am. <laughs> I'm not sure honest. that's true. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I am excited to have made it this long and try to host this news today. And I've actually put together some articles and we have an all-star cast to talk about some news. We uh, do. Yeah. And I was going to say, I'm going to sling it to Ralph. Yeah, yeah. Go, go hit that music. Ah, uh, some serious jam. We love it. That was the best. Who has the time, right? I mean, but, yeah. oh, look. Okay, well, Ralph, take it away. <laughs> Welcome to Black Hills Information Security. Talking about the news. This is going to be another exciting episode and probably one of our best yet. We have an all-star cast, right? And let's, uh, I guess, start. We've got Bite Leader. We've got Mubix. I wonder why I have a hard time pronouncing that for so long. It's so simple, but it's weird for me. <laughs> we got Joff, hey. and we got Derek. We also have uh, Ryan, the shootist, uh, running the uh, magic in the background and making us all sound great and perfect. And uh, we have an exciting episode for you guys. Um, and I guess we'll start it off with the first one. We've got plenty of stuff to talk about. And the first one actually is about hackers breaking into security cameras, exposing Tesla, jails, and hospitals, right? And just to give a quick background before I throw it to the group to talk about what they think about this one. So the company is called Verkada, I believe that's how you pronounce it. And what they do is they make IP security cameras. And one thing that makes them kind of different is not only are these security cameras IP-based, but they're also cloud-based, meaning that each IP camera kind of 
runs its own thing. It has its own built-in storage, saves its own video, and you access this all via the cloud, right? So one of kind of the requirements of making this all work is they're all on the internet, right? They're all uh, plugged into the internet, and so they're publicly exposed. What essentially happened is some attackers found some clear text credentials and most likely a GitHub repo because that's where I keep them. And they got <laughs> access to all of these cameras and uh, they were at Tesla and jails and all kinds of other fun stuff like that. So yeah, I was, uh, was going to say, Ralph, you needed to pause a little bit between Tesla and jails. We're not talking about something called the Tesla <laughs> yeah. chain. Yes, Just exactly. for the uh, record, we are actually talking about different entities yes. having footage exposed by the security cams tesla included some jails whoa bizarre Um, and and hospitals sounds fun it does it does like tesla has jails now they're in space and they're in cars and they're in jails (laughs) that's right it's the it's the brand new justice (laughs) system in america you heard it here first folks we're sending prisoners up to orbit. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I am totally kidding. Electric powered rockets. Um, so yeah, they, they found uh, clear te- or hard-coded administrative credentials to these devices. And then they used probably Shodan or any other thing that gets again on the internet to find these devices and started logging in. And that's kind of how they got access to this. Who right? put security cameras on the internet? Oh, wait, what am I thinking? <laughs> People well, do that thing. That's the funny thing that I think is interesting about this attack. That's how these cameras work. It, it, they're typically with an IP camera setup that, you know, we've seen, they would have like a DVR or some kind of NVRs, but they call them that is on-prem and that's where all your cameras talk to. But with this, you're actually recording on device and then your login, whatever, the web interface, it connects to all of these cameras, wherever they may be, pulls down a live feed and the storage is on the cam- camera themselves. So it's kind of a requirement to make it work. Um, but what do you guys so, think? So you you saying it's all in the cloud? It's all in the cloud. Oh, that's it's um, it's beautiful. I um, mean, there's so many buzzwords here. I, I, <laughs> I kind of regret, you know, pulling back on the drinking. I really, yeah. I, really <laughs> I regret. Um, I mean, so, I guess you need to download the cloud to butt extension, Derek, and then that'll be fixed for you. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is not surprising to me in any way, shape, or form. I, I think that this is probably a story that you could have said any time in the last couple of years. And I was like, yeah, I don't think we, we should I, call I, it an extension. I think we probably should call it a butt plug-in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I actually was active on Twitter in the past, um, I, you know, there was it the, uh, the internet of shit. Was that the one that, uh, uh, was the Twitter, uh, uh, that the Twitter handle that had all these like IOT things that were just disasters. Yeah. I mean, the, the, this is like, I think a common uh, thing now, right? And not the barrier to pulling this off isn't terribly hard. And I've been on engagements where I've found cameras and got into them. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, what, one, one of my favorites, uh, and every pen tester probably has a story like this is when you find a camera on the inside of a network, and then, and then not only do you find the camera, uh, is accessible and you can view the 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 image, but you you then go further and 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 get lucky enough to find pan tilt and zoom controls, and find out that the camera is sitting in the network operations center. Right? Oh, so, I haven't gotten that one, but I have had a conference room, which you know, oh, yeah. uh, this could be interesting, right? So yeah, so so can you I, think? Can uh, I play? Oh, can I play devil's it. advocate real quick? 
Um, favorite so game. One, yeah. One of the <laughs> one of the things about uh, most IP cameras is that they, by default, have UPnP and NetPnP, NetMP um, built into them. So when you install them, you it automatically gives you an IP inside your network and via DHCP. But then it punches a hole to the internet so that it can be accessible from from the internet. So I. I'd say 80% of these people did not port forward these IP cameras intentionally. So um, let's we, we shouldn't blame them for having, you know, IP well, cameras on the internet. So it's, it's the I, stupid vendor who made it, yeah, who made it that way. That way yeah. Right. Yes. So, so I, I, I definitely let's put wasn't, the finger at the right place. Yeah, no, I wasn't pointing the finger at anybody. I was only saying it wasn't surprising. And I don't think that the architecture is necessarily what's to blame here. Uh, if, if the, if the, if the deployment of uh, the folks deploying the camera are to blame in any way, it's that they didn't understand what they were deploying, but that's not uncommon. Right. I think the hard coded credential is where I would point the finger. Right. Because, yeah, but you know, even... I do. Well, so I do realize that, you know, these devices, these IoT devices don't always have the computing power to have all the security features that you would find in a modern operating system. I do get that. I also think that you could at least make a hard coded or you don't have to have a hard coded credential because you if it's on the device, someone's going to be able to get it. Oh, Sure. These cameras are legit powerful. So these are enterprise class cameras and they're doing oh, yeah. video analytics on the camera itself to Sounds actually really cool. detect people and all the other stuff. It's all on camera. So, I mean, this is, it, it really is a mess up uh, to Rob's point. It really is a mess up about with the vendor, right? So right. Um, one, having those hard coded credentials or credentials that are on tons of devices at multiple, uh, you know, um, customers. And then second, posting them on the internet. I mean, you know, obviously that happens, mistakes happen, but you know, do we really should have a unique password for all of these devices? Yeah. So that's that putting it on the internet thing. Um, I, to me, you know, in the past, I probably would have taken that stance. Well, why would you put it on the internet? But you know, IPv6, that's where we're going, right? Things are going to be on the internet and they're going to be using the cloud. If that was ever a battle, that battle has been lost. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and show me, show me like three pen testers and a sysadmin that understand NAT PNP or UPnP. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I'm right. serious. Like, I agree, hundred percent. Like, I guarantee well, some of the best sysadmins in the world will put this IP camera on the network, see that it got an internal IP address, and forget about it. Like, and not assume that it's going to punch a hole in their freaking. Uh, router and switch or you know well, gateway to me it comes back to that uh the, the adage of you know good good security is good systems administration right like to me like out of all the clients that i've dealt with at black hills i would say only a handful of them had the network architecture architecture awareness to say hey look we're deploying these things they don't need to be on the flat network let's wall them off right that just yeah. it, it's hard right i mean but that because it takes a networking group to maintain that it's expensive most places don't yep. want to do it so hey so um i, I want to ask a um, silly logistics question here really quick about a video cast um so ryan if you're listening um, does that thing saying live feed really indicate the live feed that's coming out? <laughs> because yeah. it doesn't look very interesting. 
He's probably not listening. Yeah, he, he turned you off. It's it's on purpose. Yeah. Are you, he's are you talking about like, he's off are you talking about the, the YouTube chat window? Yeah, Josh, you got to click it. Click the watch stream. Yeah. Well, that's and what I'll, I did. I'm afraid to do that. I thought no, you, like, that's, that's, just the, the that's just that's the just the chat. He's yeah, streaming the chat for us. Oh, yeah. you're just yeah. streaming the chat. Okay, next story. Yeah. <laughs> back, back to some inside baseball here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So our next story actually really has to do with um, Patch Tuesday, right? So. If you haven't patched, you should because of all the stuff we talked about exchange. But uh, Microsoft got a record 122 CVEs were patched uh, last Tuesday, which is uh, fun stuff. In addition to that, um, there are some critical vulnerabilities for Microsoft's DNS. So if that's uh, publicly exposed on the Internet, no, though, no POCs are out and it's not being used by current threat actors and like a multi-tiered level um, attack. But still, um, that we're aware of. Yeah, that we're aware of. God, exactly. If somebody knows, I feel like more than one person knows. Um, Does anybody know the details on the DNS one? Because that's always interesting because DNS, you know. uh, Yeah, so I posted the link. They don't go into too many details, but they do say that it would allow a remote uh, remote code execution uh, on the target DNS server. So... That'll be that's, fun. That sounds like fun, yes. Yeah. And, and mostly I'm thinking about it from an internal perspective. Uh, typically, yeah. the Microsoft DNS isn't publicly exposed, but, you know, stranger I've things seen stranger things, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uncommon. So, uh, I don't know. Fun stuff. Yeah. Microsoft's in for just a bad week, or, or are they in for a good well, week? Cause I mean, go. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll channel my, uh, my inner Mubix and say, it sounds like the DevOps <laughs> process is working. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they patched a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt that they have Oracle beat for number of patches in a single week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Like, there's no way. Like, I've seen Oracle patch Tuesdays or whatever that were like 500. <laughs> so, I actually would be interested to hear uh, what you all think about this. Uh, typically, when I do internals now and I'm actually scanning and looking at the results, uh, yeah, I'll find some Microsoft stuff occasionally, but it's not like it was in the past. Typically now, it looks like mostly, to at least the engagements I'm on, third-party stuff, well, third-party to Microsoft, like Oracle. Like, I, I definitely have taken advantage of Oracle stuff recently. Yeah. I tend to find that a lot more than, you know, a systemic patching issue with Microsoft products. So I feel like that organizations, with the help of Microsoft, have been doing a better job with microsoft stuff but i mean what what have you ran into uh, i've noticed that typically it's about a month out so like they like to test the patch before they push it they're not just like patch tuesday go yeah. um but that's not always the case so but yeah typically when you're on you know on environments they do have wsus and they're watching yeah. that kind of patch release cycle and getting those out so um, it, it's not typically a huge issue, but um, you'd be surprised uh, how many times I have been on engagements and seen old systems that get in oh, yeah. special OUs. Legacy stuff. Legacy yeah, stuff legacy sure. OUs, yeah. yeah. And or, they're just forgotten. Or there's weird patches that don't quite really get patched with the automated patching process sometimes. Like, I, or for some reason, one or two machines didn't get patched, I guess, with something I, I've seen. But, you know, I've... Yeah, I've, I've mostly seen. I, 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 in general, would agree with Derek. I think it's getting a lot better. But um, the the whole legacy systems thing 
still is out there. I've seen, you know, Windows XP out there still, Windows 7 out there. Um, Sir, I've seen Server 2003 recently. Yep, Server 2003, uh, and, and not patched. Um, uh, sometimes, um, you know, pre-infected with <laughs> Eternal Blue. <laughs> it's like, what? Freebie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They left their interpreter shell there. 444. Yeah. Jeez, don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> uh, I stood up. I I stood up a Linode one time, um, way back in the day, and I I started uh, my interpreter handle on four four three and got a shell, like <laughs> out of the blue, and it was inside of a corporate network, and I had taken over another pen testers node, um like our, our ip address and they the shell was still calling back like <laughs> and i had like i had to find the organization and inform them that like they had a, a shell on their box and like because it kept calling back like there was decent persistence on it oh oh yeah. man so many so many stories right i mean <laughs> i remember derek yeah. and i were on one <laughs> one time uh, and uh, we we got a shell, but um, we quickly learned that the organization had outsourced their help desk, and uh, the shell we Bro. got was not the domain we expected. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, uh, sh- uh, shoot. <laughs> Would have been good information to know before yeah. we pulled off the attack. Well, the attack was fun because the, the attack, attack was, was a uh, a macro loaded spreadsheet up to, uh, uploaded to the uh, Remedy help ticketing system. That was, was the help desk the, guy. This organization had yeah. some things that weren't two factor and submitting help desk tickets was one of them. So it was getting towards the end of the engagement and we were like, hey, let's, uh, try, what this. If, let's try this. And it <laughs> totally worked. Pro tip. I mean, if, if they're still using Remedy, you're, you're you're, you're in good yeah you're good no matter what <laughs> good. yeah and i think it was remedy i, I don't remember what it was at the time. yeah was i think it was remedy man actually. i it, hated it that was software like, it was like four years ago i mean i don't know if they're still using it uh, boy it was yeah. fun I, yeah I think we were on the on the phone with john at the time and we're like yeah. uh, was uh, we got a shell at uh oh shit it's not the right domain <laughs> No, if we just, were legit like attackers, slowly. <laughs> if we were, you know, actual bad guys, right, that would have been a great place to be. So, yeah. so the li- life lesson here is uh, you should have a kill date on your C2, okay? Yeah. So remember that. <laughs> so going back, going back to that DNS uh, bug, I, I yep. read the very short article or the very short white paper. I, yeah, like it's extremely I, short. I get it. Pages. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand how you can get published. Anyways. They got um, a CVE, though. Oh, God. Don't even start. It, it does um, say initial publish, publication. Or, well, I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's like, uh, go ahead. But it, it does bring up something um, very near and dear to my heart. Um so the vulnerability is in the ability to add base 64 in a certain way to a text record. And, and the, the, the problem for me, one is that, um, is that windows by default active directory, um, requires if, if you installed it in, you know, in recent years versus like 15 years ago, um, your, your DNS server on Windows automatically accepts any authenticated, secure, quote-unquote, um, uh, DNS updates. So anyone in the organization can add a text record, no problem. Um, and this is this is something that, sh- yeah, should be definitely looked at 
um, more by organizations getting off of Microsoft DNS um, just because um, one, this vulnerability is probably pretty bad anyways, but the fact that any domain user can add um, any record they want is is a pretty serious vulnerability that is not patchable currently. Like even with this patch, you should definitely think about moving off of Microsoft DNS just for that reason. Yeah, weren't you on an engagement with me where you pulled this off and their network team was less than happy? Yes, yes. I've pulled this off multiple times. And so it, it's and your it, gift, but you want them to fix it. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> seriously, no. no I, hear you. I, love, I love attacking this. However, like, I'm in this game to make organizations better. And sure. the less attacks that I have, the better, which perfectly... Um, uh, what's the word? Goes into the next article. Mm. Oh, segue is the word. Yeah. Segues. It perfectly segues into the next article. Thank you. What a beautiful like session. By the way, I, 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 you can tell me what if you want what the uh, text of the record that you added. But I mean, you know, fix your shit comes to mind. Ouch! <laughs> but, Ouch! <laughs> Ouch! So uh, our next article is actually about uh, Google releasing a easy code signing and verification for supply chain integrity. That's how they're launching the article. So think of this, right? Right now we have Let's Encrypt for SSL certificates. Um, you know, yeah, we love it. Yeah, right? Everyone uses it. <laughs> it's great. So uh, I actually... Oh, we're back on the air. <laughs> we had a, a um, minor crash. For a while, yeah. Little crash, blue screen, I think is what happened. Anyways... The whole what computer just about? froze. Gray screen. Yeah. Gray screen. Was it so, a spinning wheel or blue? It, it, it was beach ball? nothing. It was just a frozen <laughs> image and nothing <laughs> was responding. Wow. That's no fun. So we were talking about uh, the Google code signing cert and then Let's Encrypt. And we were about to talk about uh, the Google uh, code signing cert and our opinions on it. And that's when Google killed Ryan's machine. Yeah, they heard about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Send out the electric shocks. <laughs> yeah. So I guess what do you guys think about this uh, code signing cert, uh, you know, Let's Encrypt style, right? So some API that we can make for code signing certs. I'm excited. Um I'm I'm thrilled. Uh, I think um, from the offensive uh, perspective, it has lots of opportunity. And uh, why wouldn't we investigate that? Right? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Good food for thought. I mean, so many ideas can come out of that. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, uh, so, it's kind of I mean, cool. it, it's not like the barrier for entry for code signing certs was really hard in the first place i mean uh I'll, I'll talk in general that i may know someone who may have went and got a code signing cert and it really just involved a phone call and a verification that he had a business license and yeah so that's pretty much that's, how it works hey, i've got hey, so, work, so right? didn't uh, somebody you guys uh kind of correct me if i'm wrong here but isn't there like kind of like two levels of code signing isn't there yeah. like the easy one which mm -hmm. is the the yeah. quick and you know quick process and then there's like sort of the Super, you've got to hand over your children and your give us a blood sample and uh, give us Six a Dun and Brad Street burn. number yeah. and all that crap. Uh, That's a thinner code. Yeah. <laughs> so, actually, I don't know, Extended and maybe validation. you all know. Does it really matter for signed code running in a window on a Windows uh, OS? I would say, from detection, from what I've seen, a lot of products are not going and validating whether this cert is 
signed by a particular CA, even more importantly, whether it's been on a revocation list, right? So maybe it got revoked. That, that, that's actually interesting though, because I've seen, I mean, I know those of us who've, who've authored some stuff with code signing, you eventually see it get blocked, right? So yeah, they, they use the certificate as a way to say, no, that's just flat evil. Um, so is that your IOC? Is it a good thing so, to, to use it? Is it a bad thing to use it? I mean, sometimes mixed feelings, right? Well, so if 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 let's say that you know uh, bad people start using this Google code signing cert, how's that going to work out? Not so well that, that's them. that's the genius of how they're doing this, right? Okay. So right. It, they there is no revocation; it expires at a certain time. Yeah, um, they do not check revocation at all because they know that that process doesn't work. The really mm-hmm. cool thing about this is that once it gets signed, once once the driver, like the intermediaries get signed and, and you're, it's valid inside of Authenticate or whatever, like they're still working on that. Um, but it checks the um, the date timestamp of, of the signature to make sure that the code that the public key can sign or the public key is for that sorry let me take a step back because i'm getting <laughs> confusing myself it, it says it says that this timestamp. it then signs that timestamp with the public key of the of the intermediary that is uh, is trusted and says is it correct and so this basically does revocation locally without ever having to talk to anything okay um and and validate through the OSCP model or OCSP or model or whatever, like any other process. There's also one other feature or piece of it that it, it verifies together. I forget the exact thing, but um, it does revocation locally, which is the thing that is missing from current code signing, right? Yeah. So that's so to Ralph's point that it like at some point this will be. Um, validated through Authenticode, hopefully, it depends on if Microsoft and Google can, you know, get along for a second. But um, it, once it does, it will actually be pretty effective in, in validating the code signing of it. Now, um, the other piece is that you can, um, you can say, uh, I think, I think it's in the code spec, you can say which like vendors you're okay with and then you can even lock it down further from a defender point yeah. of view so this was actually where i was kind of kind of go with that is let's okay say sorry. that i'm an organization no i was going to ask a question let's say that i'm an organization and i want to not trust this certificate um i or let's encrypt for that matter um i can just remove it from my trusted store and all my windows systems correct um Sort of. So you're 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 running your own intermediary. I think is their model right now, and you basically say, "Here are the ones that I approve of." Okay. It's a it's a uh, allow so list versus deny versus. Deny I, 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 yeah, that's what I was. I was just about to go to. So that's so it's fascinating. Uh, it, it hands over some of the certificate chain control essentially to you, uh, because you're you're running the intermediary uh, certificate side of it. Right, is what I'm hearing. Oh, I like yeah, that. Sort of. I, 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 so are you it's not really about... a CA. It's not the, a CA. You're not a it's CA. Not, it, it's not the intermediate CA. You're running the the. Oh, what is? Oh man, I had it all 
pulled up. It's like starts with an R. It, you you run the other other code. You run their code locally in your network, and you can then say these are the things that are validated. I'm confusing it. Ignore me. <laughs> okay. Well, so we'll, well, I guess we could dig back into that. But but the yeah. the concept conceptually to actually hand over some control of what you will allow, that's actually the important point uh, yeah. because that's, that's what gives you, um, gives you that ability as the end user end customer to actually do something about it. If there's problems. Um, I mean, I definitely, I, I like that uh, because uh, you know, I, the first time years ago when I looked into the, the windows certificate store of what was actually trusted, I was terrified. Why would, why would we trust all of this? So the organization I was at at the time, I was like, let, let, can we remove some of this? The CA model is a little flawed. And I think that is kind yeah. of what Rob's talking about. And this is good to actually help improve that model as opposed to just try to hope and pray that it gets better. So I, I guess it doesn't really surprise me that Google is coming out with this because if, if you've done any mobile or Android testing later versions of, of of android aren't real friendly to uh you know user supplied certificates just in no general, they're not right no. so it's all good stuff um all right we have another uh good article this one actually is uh pretty fun this one's about we leak info okay um and oh, 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 ralph 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 can, can we can we do this is this is a point of order thing but can we do the tool story first? Because I'm dying to talk about that, man. Oh, okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. We have been de- detoured to... <laughs> detour. This is, this is an easy one. We need uh, like yellow signs. Detour. <laughs> detour. All right. All right. All right. So check it out. The, uh, the other one I had for today is this was posted on Twitter, and that is Responder uh, will be end of life uh, starting now. Did and, you just hear all the groans right then? Oh, yeah. So okay. I, I, this doesn't mean I believe that he is deleting it all off of GitHub and running away and never talking about it. What this means is that he is just not going to continue to maintain it anymore. So what do you guys think about this? And I think before the show started, everyone was talking about some other stuff going on too. So this is maybe one of many, right? So I have, I have, um, mixed feelings uh the um i am not good at this uh idea of maintaining an open source project and i don't know many people that actually feel uh that they maintain their open source projects really 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 I well i actually love marcello to china and yeah and so yeah I, that's exactly where i was going if you've put yourself in the position of actually having to maintain and coordinate some sort of open source project, it is not an easy thing to do. So, Marcello, what do you think, man? Uh, I think that if every pen test and red team shot actually contributed back to the responder project um, throughout all these years, we wouldn't have to rely on Laurent actually maintaining this uh, in this spare time. And again, like you know, I keep saying this almost on every news show whenever like one of these open source tool things comes it comes up but um yeah the we got us the community really has to start understanding well not the community because it's not about the individuals it's about the companies like the multi-million dollar companies that are 
that the testers that have testers that are that are using these tools on a daily basis they really have to start understanding that this is not sustainable at all um yeah, I mean, I definitely think so that, that sort of make, but that sort of makes the assumption that the the person maintaining it has stepped away because they're they're tired of of you know being kind of a solo effort, and and I suspect that's a pretty common feeling. Sure. Oh no, no, it's 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 the universal feeling. It's not, it, it's just it's. I mean, the, the, the there, there's there's a there's a three part problem to this, and again, this is all my personal opinion, just on my experience. So I have no data to back this up whatsoever, but this is just like my experience with this but i think the the one of the problems fundamental problems is that a lot of people in the information security industry just don't know how to code um and and that that's a that's a huge problem and and that that's that's part of the issue why like you see a lot less uh contributions specifically to infosec tooling than you would see to just like general development uh tools or general general development projects open source projects um, and I think that, I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the big problems, but I think it's just a lack of awareness that, that most of the, in, like these, again, these huge companies just rely on these tools that are just available for free. And then, um, with that, they, they just don't realize that that's, that's what they're doing. They're just using these tools that are just available for free. Well, um, I mean, it's, it's just not security tools right i mean if you look at you know something like open ssl i mean how, oh, how many yeah. how many appliances you know use that at all of the i mean if 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 oh there's some contribution back to the developers of, of open ssl they probably right. wouldn't even need day jobs right uh, I, mean, I mean how many things is open ssl actually not embedded in yeah i was gonna yeah. say it's on I mean, all think the about things that. like yeah. Exactly. So, and, and, you know, the reason that I asked or wanted to hear from Marcello is because I've, you know, I, I know some of his opinions already. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I know that Black Hills has, con- has, has made contributions to open source software in the past because John is, is aware of this kind of issue. And it, it does make me sad that, like, something as awesome as Responder um, yeah. is, is, I mean, they're hanging it up. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that, moving forward i think because we were were talking about other things too right earlier like rob said something about impacket and there's a list of of things so you know i I know that there have been twitter uh i want to say twitter wars in the past like uh (laughs) of you know folks on the blue side saying that you know uh offensive tools shouldn't be open source that you know folks like marcello shouldn't be releasing these things but i I think it is for the better right and i think now if, if if folks who write offensive tooling if they stop releasing things and it all ends up being private projects, it's just going to make it a lot harder for detection. I mean, maybe not specifically in the case of Responder, but but for, for other things. I mean, Marcello and I were on an engagement where we were using Cobalt Strike and there was a security you know product that was all over it. And then we started using Marcello's you know, awesome code and they weren't. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it it just comes down to a lack of awareness. I think, um, and like, I mean, it is fantastic that Black Hills definitely has started like taking like a part of the uh, income from the trainings that we do and donating it to the projects that are in the trainings. The problem is like, like this has to be like Black Hills can only do so much, right? Like yeah. we like it, like if 
there there comes a point where like if the entire industry uses a single tool um and it's maintained by one person the burden of that is just absolutely enormous um so like and you can't expect like that person at, at minimum though i think it is a good thing that we can at least try to lead by example uh and hope that others pick yeah, up on that and absolutely and um, yeah yeah but but i have uh, call me cynical but uh i sincerely doubt that uh unless we start naming and shaming which honestly i'm all for at this point because i think that's <laughs> <laughs> so hey Marcello, i think you're feeling cynical i i don't blame you for feeling cynical at all. yeah no you, no, you have been in the crosshairs on this one um, i mean I, I actually noticed here recently when i pulled down the latest version of responder that there was a banner basing basically saying hey if you like this why don't you give me some money and yeah. I'm like, oh yeah well i think we have so yeah we did but like you're right if if everybody who used it donated some money would we be talking about this right now no it's it's kind of interesting with the open source you know software model right when someone does make something that everyone loves just like they're like oh this is great it's free i just go grab it i use it guy keeps updating it i mean great right i'm I'm definitely guilty of that right yeah and well but the thing is like you really shouldn't because like this is not like to the what i'm saying is not directed to the individual tester it's like that responsibility lies in the companies themselves right because like like it would be crazy if like what so you're you're hired so what you're a pen tester you work at you're paying you're paying like you're a pen tester who works at a multi-million dollar company and then you have to pay part of your salary to support like (laughs) your buddies and friends who are trying to help you yeah no no that's that's absolutely penguin I do think you have a point, though, that the individual folks, you know, there probably is a lack, and I'm guilty of it for using tools that I, I, you know, never contributed to. I mean, it's a time and effort type thing for sure, but I've also never been the a-hole who went, hey, your stuff's broken, why don't you fix it? Well, that's, yeah. a that's a completely, that's a completely, yeah, yeah. the other one, yeah. the other one that I've seen, too, is that they'll be like, ah, oh, I'm using this tool, and, you know, it could be a little bit better or whatever it may be. And <laughs> instead of doing a, a pull request, like fixing it, trying to improve that tool, you go, no. you know, I'm just going to start over and make something totally new. And you start a whole new thing, just like the other person and post that. And you're like, look what this new thing I made. It's kind of like that other thing that this other dude did, but mine has these other features that I could have definitely just pushed. Um, so I, I've had, that, <laughs> I've had that happen to me. And, uh, I've had that happen too. Yeah. It's uh and that is just not cool. I mean, you know, come uh, on, so folks. I, I get it. If you just want to learn how to start over from something in scratch or whatever, like it's go go have fun, man. It's just that sometimes it's like one little thing. They're like it. You you I, maybe people just want the ownership. I'm not exactly sure, but I've seen it. So I mean, that, that's also a separate discussion. I feel like the it really is. Yeah, fragmentation right. of the fragmentation of these tools is definitely another thing. But um. But that goes to the contribution part that you're talking about, right? When you're the only person yeah, doing it. But at know? the same time, that's also like the nature of open source. Like yeah. if, you, if you're making an open source tool, you're sort of signing on to that, Absolutely. Uh, that possibility because like there's nothing stopping me from just forking your project and maintaining like a private or um, a yeah. fork of it. I mean, that that's just like the nature of open source. 
So I mean, it, it's 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 more just about changing the the this leech culture, which I'm still totally stealing that from John because um, <laughs> came up with that term. But uh, it, it really no, it, it really comes down to just changing this leech culture where like these companies that there's just a lack of self awareness. That hey, did you know like your entire like income depends on uh, your testers, which use these freely available tools that are basically being maintained by one a one a one man band or one woman band or whatever you identify as um so like that that's that's just comes down to like a lack of self-awareness which i honestly don't know how to change that except naming and shaming at this point um yeah. or charging money but then it's not open so, source anymore but and... i mean rob mentioned one that wasn't open source that was paid for that's also hanging it up right yeah, but I think that yes, but I think that that was just because of a merger more than anything. I, I think that was just because like they uh, they got. I mean, it, so yeah. Cobalt got I mean, a fire and, I, yeah, I don't really know the story. I I, certainly, yeah. I, I don't know, but from talks that I saw, uh, like uh, Raphael give, uh, I I wonder if it wasn't just pressure because he had this really cool rat and then, you know, it got like a a threat actor group got it. And he, he experienced a lot of pressure of he's basically making weapons. Right. And so I I wonder if that wasn't the reason he kind of sold it and stepped back. And, and, you know, to me, is that good for the industry or is it bad for the industry? I mean, people argue about this all the time. Right. And, you know, I have my opinion is I think that is overall bad just because of my experiences that I, you know, have had over the last couple of years at Black Hills. Because I think that when we don't have a good uh, tool to go to that we're paying for, um, we'll have to write it ourselves. And that makes it a lot harder for defenders and and organizations like EDR vendors to detect. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not out out in the public forum. So, uh, you know, that's it's a tough issue. Um, I, I've, uh, I've struggled with, um, even considering, and I haven't for the most part, open sourcing some of the things that I'm doing that are, some of them I think are pretty cool, but I'm not sure whether I want to dip my foot in that pond because it really isn't worth it. Like, honestly, like, I mean, right now, Josh, in your career, it literally would not be worth it because like, like the only reason why I even started this is because I needed to get the hell out of Italy and I needed to find a job. Right. Right. Like, like, like that was the main, that was the main driver behind it. Right. Um, but like, like, so if you already have a career and like, unless you're just super passionate about it, which is fantastic. But at the end of the day, like you'll you, like if you do do that and you have a career already, like expect no life work life balance whatsoever. Well, that's that is the downside, right? Because yeah. you know once you and and that's exactly the equation that I've gone through in my mind, uh, Marcello. You're, you're you're right on target. I mean, it's just like why would I just literally buy myself more trouble for no financial reward? No. Um, it, hey. I am convinced that, you know, you know, companies like Microsoft and other, you know, like EDR vendors for the good that they're doing, I do also think that they are essentially watching a lot of researchers, right? Because I I used one of our co-workers, Brian Fairman's code that, you know, enumerates shares and looks at the contents of those shares and it's flagged, right? And then I just go get some other, you know, other tool that I'm not going to mention because I don't want it to be busted any sooner than it's going to get busted. 
um, and it works fine. So it's not the behavior, it's the code. And I'm not sure I like that. It's the, it's the implementation and not the technique. Yeah, that's the and that's, I don't tough. know that that's, I don't really know how I feel about that. I guess, you know, there's an argument that could be made that, okay, well, if if a bad guy is using it, we want to, you know, catch it. But I mean, still, I, the behavior is really where it should be. And at this point in time, a company like Microsoft or any of the other, you know, vendors that are making EDR products should have the chops to look at the behavior and make an analysis on it, right? I, I just, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, that, that, you know, so we're sort of segueing into a, a slightly different conversation, but that's, yeah. that's a... Uh, that's also a very tough nut to solve, right? I mean, sure. you know, um, you know, I, I'm about to say that, you know, everybody ready with their beverage of choice, right? But <laughs> you look at machine learning, you look at artificial uh, intelligence. Oh, oh, wow, two, two in the same sentence. <laughs> in a row. Um, the, you know, there definitely have been s- significant advances that do help uh, companies detect trends. Uh, you know, frankly, and I'll even give Microsoft a little bit of credit here. Uh, in the last test that I was doing for a customer, um, a micro- Microsoft's uh, ATA, the uh, Adaptive uh, Threat Analytics product, I guess it's called, um, did a pretty good job of yeah. seeing yeah. some trends that I was uh, showing in my activity, and they weren't directly things that were detected on the endpoint. And so, you know, I've got to give, you know, when companies uh, uh, coming up with things that really are leveraging uh, machine learning <laughs> and, and techniques like that, um, you know, you, you got to give them a little bit of credit, right? They, they, they're starting to do the right things. It's hard to hide from math. It, yeah. it is hard to I mean, it, it really is. And look, I'm not. not I just fumbled around about 10 sentences and Derek just thumbed <laughs> it up in one. <laughs> so, <laughs> If you've used some more buzzwords, though, it may have salted it up a little. Well, I was going to true. going to leverage my core competencies, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I just ran up against uh, Defender for Identity, which I guess is the next ATP. Like, it, it has some Azure tie-ins. I I I was impressed. It did a fantastic job, and I tried in the engagement to essentially stop operating on the Windows endpoints and look at other avenues, right? Right, and, and that's an the, interesting trend that, that is emerging in our testing, in fact, yeah. that a lot of us, I think, are stepping away from the endpoint a little bit uh, to try not to execute stuff on that thing if possible and proxy traffic through it as much as we can. And then uh, I got to le- avoid, legit you know. user creds and went and found where that user was and tried to be that user. And I think, you know, flying that close under the radar was helpful. But I mean, yeah, but we should be happy about that, right? Oh, no. Well, I, I feel like that we, the folks on this call, help make that happen to a degree. Yeah. So I think it's for the better overall as annoying as it is. So it kind of sucks that these tools are going and especially sucks for organizations because, you know, the these it sucks for us, right, as, you know, security professionals and utilizing these tools in our jobs when they stop, you know, being updated. Sometimes, you know, it's literally because of what Marcello was talking about. They're just tired of holding up, you know, this uh, heavy rock. Uh, you know, other times it's because, you know, something's depreciated and, you know, it's just not being used that much. But in a couple of these cases, it's not the case. 
But, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things you want your friends close, right? But your uh, enemies closer. So we have the news team just like pumping these things in here. And I'm just going through and being like, all right, not malware or not ransomware, not ransomware. All right, not ransomware. Right. <laughs> not ransomware. <laughs> not a fish link. Not a fish link. Not, not a fish link. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess that's it then. <laughs> yeah, that was really Thank abrupt. You. This is the first time I've been on a news. And I think I've almost been to all of them where we lost Ryan once, let alone twice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, was, it, was, uh, it was tough. I, you know what? I, I thought, for the record, that we did a great job today. Uh, I, it was an amazing show. It was one of our best with one more to come. One of our best. One of the best. Well done. Uh, I think I might be a legend in my own mind now. <laughs> Do you know who I am? Do you know Do you who know? I am? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for joining. It was fun. Yep. All right. Thanks for hosting. Thank All right. Later, guys. Bye. See you. Bye.